This episode is brought to you by Cold Storage Coins, the easiest way to own Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. G'day, soldiers of the Altcoin Army. Welcome to another episode of the Altcoin Buzz podcast with your hosts, Leisha, Matt, and James. Lovely Leisha and Mad Dog Matthew, it's great to see you again, or hear you again. Great to see you too, and here always, always a pleasure, guys. Nice to be here. <laughs> so we've got a, got a bit of news to cover for today. Unfortunately, we don't have any guests scheduled for today, so you just all the listeners out there are going to have to put up with, uh, with us talking the whole time. But first up, we're going to be talking about the whale that bought 1,200 Bitcoin. Matt, I'm going to handball that one to you because uh, I know that you've looked into this one a fair bit. Yeah, there's always good news to discuss along with the bad news. You know, there, there are silver linings to any FUD that, that comes out. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, today we're going to discuss down the line some negative stuff, uh, arguably negative stuff. But if we rewind a couple of days, we had a brief glimpse of positive news we had a, a green sea for a little while so that was a nice change so we're just going to reminisce about that for a little bit because um those were the good times and they were fleeting but we had this yeah we had this whale this is all based on uh, an article written by luke on altcoinbuzz.io so you had a very quick injection of 1200 bitcoin into the market at a time when things were really kind of stagnating so luke talked about how this this injection bumped the market up from 277 billion total market cap to about 284 and then subsequent to that article i mean we, we saw an even further bump another 10 billion or so at a time when you know there was a lot of negativity i think um patience was running thin for a lot of uh, the investors and things so i think it's it's the sort of thing that suggests that individuals out there and not casual investors not people like us but real institutional whales whether you know there may, may be private individuals private whales but there are people out there looking for these opportunities and it's not going to be the last of these where you just see somebody taking advantage of favorable price action and really buying low and hopefully eventually selling high but this person obviously had a strategy they were ready to go they they hit the trigger um, and you could see the, the the reaction and the cascade of enthusiasm in the market so I'd like to think it's not the last time that we see this, but it was a nice observation to make. Alicia, what do you think about this development? Yeah, I also think it's great news, and I'm well. It kind of made me excited as well when I saw it, even though the market right now is again kind of uh, in the Red Sea, but hopefully it will go up pretty soon, and more whales perhaps will buy. But that made me also think about this one comment that we have from Stacy Dale Berenci. I'm sorry, we're not that wrong. Who said? You have not seen nothing yet. <laughs> she might be our whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she a whale or is she like, I don't know, hatching a plot of some sort? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure, but it's nice to see the people that are so enthusiastic about uh, the, our, our articles. So thank you for that comment. And uh, what do you think, James? Well, I'll tell you what, Leisha, Matt, if I had $7.8 million to just throw down on Bitcoin, I mean, the little dip at the moment, the little dip that we're seeing at the moment probably is just a penny change in their pocket. I mean, really think about that. That was $7.8 million dropped like that straight on, on Bitcoin. The, the, the reason it's hit so big on the marketplace was because the volume's been really low for the last couple of months. 
So to have $7.8 million injected and then the price just skyrocket from there. It didn't go to the 20k mark, which we all kind of want, and uh, people like John McAfee think that it's it's going to be around the 500k mark. But when you look at the chart that we've posted on that, that Luke actually put in his article on altcoinbuzz.io, you can see just this massive skyscraper almost coming straight off the chart. Obviously, with the prices being as low as they are now, people don't don't want them to, to break that support line. A lot of people are saying it's going to be around $4,500 for the lowest point this year. This person who put in 7.8 is obviously doing everything they can to keep that above the $4,500 line. So if you're listening to the podcast, please, if you've got the money, keep injecting it. You're doing us all a favor. <laughs> yep. I was just going to say, if you have an extra 7.8 mil that uh, you don't quite know how to spend, then you know, consider the uh, crypto market. It can never hurt. <laughs> well, find me on PayPal. I mean, you know, donate to the charity of me. I'll, I'll be more than glad to take that off your hands. There you no, go. James, no. <laughs> Send money to me. <laughs> I know exactly what to do with it. We'll go 50-50. No. How's that? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, you want to go in on this? We'll go. We'll, we'll go threes, uh, thirds on this uh, seven point eight million that someone's going to donate to us. I'll, I'll let you guys fight over it. I think that would be more entertaining to watch. <laughs> Grab the popcorn. There will be no fight. <laughs> there will be no. Fight. <laughs> Trust me on this one. <laughs> Well, going back to what we were saying about the uh, John McAfee, I believe you were going to bring up the... Uh, you were talking about it just a little bit earlier ago, the article that you wrote, Leisha. I know you're dying to talk about this. This, this is your man. This is your favorite human of all time, John McAfee. So go on, get it out of your system. Let's talk about the article you wrote. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure that he's my man, but, uh, I mean, he is quite entertaining and uh, I would like to bring up his persona because I think we kind of forgot about him and that's not fair, definitely. So he made a new statement and we know that he's no stranger to various Bitcoin price predictions. And he said once again that BTC will trade at $500,000, but that's, of course, only if he gets elected as the president of the U.S., and uh, I was wondering, like, you know, when I first heard about it, I instantly thought of that promise that he made that, uh, well, he will eat his genitalia if it doesn't reach uh, that price. But this- no, it was a million. Yeah, he he bet was- on a million. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I somehow got lost. But anyway, anyhow, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious what's going to happen if... Uh, if well, basically, it doesn't reach that price. Will he eat his genitalia once he assumes the Oval Office, or what will happen? That we don't know. But uh, I was really surprised when I heard like him uh, speak yesterday. How eloquent he is! I actually never heard him talk. I only read his quotes. Never heard him talk, and he's so so smooth. So uh, I don't know. So well formulated. It was. It was actually kind of nice. I mean, there's a lot maybe, of flattery there, Leisha. Are you sure he's not your man? I don't know. Maybe I just won the money again. It's like you know the money. <laughs> but, uh, Love the honesty. It could, it could be the case, but anyhow, I mean, uh, he says lots of weird things, but he says them smooth, so to speak. And uh, I especially like the part when he promised Larry King, that uh, famous TV host in the U.S., to eat his shoe if he does not unlock the San Bernardino phones for the FBI together with a team of super hackers. And when he went like when he went on to, to describe to be something like pierced guys with tattoos who demand to smoke weed, and that is why no government employs them. And he also happens to know them personally, which I believe is nice. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, I, I didn't see that interview with Larry King. So that's just that like the forefront right now of my thoughts, because uh, I got to check that out as soon as we're done recording here. That sounds pretty interesting. You and me both, yeah, I'm going to check that out right away. So I think he's pretty eloquent, too. I think he's an articulate guy. I think he's well spoken when you sit him down and you pick his brain about his philosophy. I mean, even stuff that's like non crypto related, because that spills over. It does overlap somewhat with kind of his political leanings and stuff. And I know I, people always point to the fact that he's got this spotty past. And yeah, I'm not debating that, but I, I do agree. I think he's a smart guy and he's um, he, he's he's eloquent when you sit down and listen to him. Not always on Twitter. A lot of, I find sometimes when I'm reading his tweets on the daily news, like he's just got these spelling errors and these these syntax problems and it just stops <laughs> me. He's like, you can't, you can't read through the sentences. They don't make sense. But that aside, what I'm a little bit concerned about here is that, you know, he's come out and very publicly made this this bet. Right. And he's the stakes are very high um, for Bitcoin reaching a million and or even if it's half a million by whatever projection date he has. And this to me, it, it, it's almost it almost seems as though he's creating sort of this backdoor escape for himself where he can come out and say, well, look, my plan was always to run for the presidency. I don't necessarily need to win, but I want to run on the libertarian ticket. And it's all about the campaign. It's not about winning. It's about campaigning, spreading the message. Fine. So if his contention is now that, well, that was always my plan and I didn't share it with you previously because whatever, I didn't have to. And the idea of the one million dollar price point that I predicted is predicated on my success in this campaign. Like he's given himself an out now. You know what I mean? And then if he doesn't, if he doesn't achieve success, I don't think he's going to win the presidency. That goes without saying, although that's been said before. But if he doesn't achieve success even in the campaign, now he's got this kind of out as if to suggest like, well, look, I, I didn't have a chance to really promote the way I wanted to promote. And had I done that, yes, we could have hit 500,000, a million. So I don't know. Like, this just seems to be like um, causing a little bit of concern for me that way. But but either way, I'm going to line up and, uh, and watch the developments because I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, James, your thoughts? Look, I, I think there's no two ways about it. John John McAfee is an intelligent guy. If he was an intelligent guy, he wouldn't have created the business that he did, which is on pretty much every PC operating system out there. You know, th there's no denying it. I, I, I actually messaged him on Twitter uh, earlier today because big old Papa John uh, tweeted that there will be no rudeness on his on his uh, Twitter account. So he's actually been blocking right. people uh, all over Twitter who have been absolutely rude. John McAfee is a successful man. He doesn't need to prove that he's successful. I mean, the guy guy's worth absolute squillions. So the fact is, you don't get to that position unless you got a brain on, uh, you know, a good good head on your shoulders. And like you said, it's a bit of an out. I'm looking at this kind of. We'll bring it back to a controversial figure like Marilyn Manson, for instance. Now, a lot of people like him, a lot of people hate him, but the one thing is he's intriguing to a lot of people out there. There was a rumor, there was multiple rumors created about that he had his bottom ribs removed so that he could perform certain sexual acts upon himself. And the fact is he came up with the rumors himself. He spread them to create almost like a, I have to see this for myself, and that generated interest. McAfee saying, I'll eat my own genitals on TV, I'll do this, so many outlandish comments. It's to draw attention to the subject. He's using it as a bait. If I say something so out there, I'm going to get people's attention. So I think that he's gone into this quite quite smart. It may not reach 500,000, it might not reach a million within the next five years. 
But what this is going to do is keep the interest in blockchain. It's going to keep the interest in crypto trading in general. It's going to keep the conversation rolling. It's still going to be in the media. And hey, it's better to have bad news than no news at all. Because at least when there's bad news, you've got a chance to rectify it. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I also want to say that I agree with you both and with Matt as well that uh, he's creating a certain type of, I don't know, sort of a leeway. I don't know, because he wants to connect this price to something, to some sort of an event. And in this case, it's about the presidency of the U.S. uh, So that later on, he can always say that, well, I haven't been elected as one. So, I mean, don't blame me, right? But I also wanted to ask you guys about one more thing. Like, do you take seriously what he says about a potential cyber war? Because, I mean, when he talks about it, he he predicts the letter to be sort of apocalyptic. I know the electricity will be shut down. The planes will be falling from the sky. uh, People with money will disappear. Everything is going to be horrible. Do you think that this indeed could happen? It's hard to say. I mean, he's obviously an expert in the field. So that's a little bit of what concerns me if you have that kind of a dire prediction, right? But then you contrast that against, like James was saying, his outlandish comments that are just made for the sake of attention, right? And like his own guerrilla marketing tactics. So it's hard to take seriously because, you know, you you do want to ascribe to him this sense of, okay, expertise. And he's been in the field. Like you said, James, he's built up his his empire in IT. He's a smart guy. He's successful for a reason. Um, is he being intentionally hyperbolic with those comments? Probably. Maybe he's got another business angle there that has uh, nothing to do with crypto or is only weekly related. I think all of that potential exists. Like I, I sometimes look around and I'm shocked by how dependent we are on our technology, our electric grid. Nobody's got the classic sort of survivalist skills anymore. Nobody how, knows how to be self-subsistent in an, an agrarian sense. If we had to go back uh, and something bad happened, I mean, I think that would be, yeah, I think the word would be apocalyptic. Um, so part of that is it's always in the back of my mind. I think about that kind of stuff, but then coming from John McAfee, I don't know. I got, I got to weigh that against everything else that, that I've heard out of him. Um, you know, to be fair, um, James, look, I, I, my personal opinion to this is I believe he's right to a degree. Um, and I I think that he's, he has predicted what's going to happen. If the world's got nuclear weapons at the moment, World War II was really the last war that was fought with conventional weapons. You've got the Vietnamese War and, you know, what happened down in Korea, but World War II was the last massive scale war that that was conventionalized. So there's a lot of smart people in the world in politics, especially like in the US Congress, um, in, you know, in, in China and all that. No one wants a nuclear war. Let, let's let's be real here. If there's a nuclear war, there's not going to be winners and losers. It's going to be a matter of survivors. The second thing is if you're going to invade a country or take it over, you want access to the resources. Nuclear, you know, nuclear attacking those countries is going to destroy the resources in the process. Therefore, it makes it completely null and void to want to go into war with them to begin with. While we've got guys out in Afghanistan and Iraq, and you know, we all wish they would come home. In the in the case of say another world war breaking out, you want to save the resources. You don't want to nuke. So you're going to have, like he said, cyber war. Well, what's the best way of taking down a country? You take down the telecommunications. You take down their electricity grid. You basically wear them down to the point that you need to bring them back online. Like you said, we're so dependent now on electricity and everything like that. That if you brought a, you could literally take a country to its knees by turning off all of its electrical resources. The same way in World War One and World War Two, they'll create naval blockades to stop the ships from coming in. 
it would be the same principle just on the digital sense. Yeah, it would just create absolute chaos. So I think he's right. I think that if there is going to be another war, it would be a cyber war uh, because no one's going to risk destroying a country completely with nukes. Nukes are a, comp- a deterrent, but I don't think, and I'd like not to think we would see a nuclear war in our lifetime because, like I said, it's not going to be winners or losers. It would be a matter of survivors. That is true. And it kind of like his utterances also reminded me of. Um uh, Lenin's, we're going to mention him later in uh, one of the, our articles, he's the organizer of the Socialist Revolution in Russia in 1917, and his uh, one of his motos, so to speak, was to take over Telegraph. I mean, Telegraph doesn't exist anymore, so now it's just like taking over electricity. So I guess that uh, John McAfee has a point. He does have a point, and I mean, we're recording this on the heels of an announcement that was made yesterday. Um, look what's happening in the news. The U.S. president just announced the formation of the Space Force. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but it, it relates pretty directly to this topic that that we find ourselves discussing. Um, and what is Space Force? It's it's not it's not some starship troopers, space marine, you know, like firing lasers and phasers against uh, don't aliens. Don't take my I, dream I think- away. Yeah, mine too, buddy. <laughs> Halo from Ma- Master Chief from Halo is going to be real. Don't take this from me. There you go. <laughs> so what's the idea behind this? It's still pretty um, elusive as far as the reports I've heard, and it's kind of vague. Nobody's really defining it clearly. But, you know, there are many governments of the world that have been present in space for a long time. And that just means they have satellites up there. They have military satellites, they have communication satellites, they have their investment in terms of their national infrastructure that's floating around uh, above the stratosphere. And so you need to have, apparently we're, we're in this, we're in this stage where you can either destroy or disable these very expensive, very crucial components that facilitate the proper functioning of a modern society. And so this whole Space Force announcement seems to be a response to that and seems to be an effort to safeguard a lot of these technological resources because that's, as as you guys have said, that's going to be the next angle of attack, right? If we don't want to go the nuclear option, and and I totally agree, nobody does. So you're going to see more and more efforts toward asymmetrical warfare and cyber attacks and disabling of grids of all sorts. So it's, um, yeah, it's the kind of thing that... um, there are examples that, that seem to be emerging more and more around us. Crazy times. Yeah, that's true. Especially since we're still looking for the Bitcoin creator, Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> yeah? Certainly, Isn't uh, that true? I think everyone's looking for uh, Mr. Satoshi. Mr. Mr. Nakamoto himself. Uh, <laughs> I guess you're referring to the article by Christopher that was written yeah. just the other day. Well, for anybody that hasn't read the article, you can jump over again to altcoinbuzz.io, our website, where you can view it, which was on June 17th. This article was written by Christopher, and I guess it's the, uh, not the age-old question, but question that's been around for about a decade now, and who the hell is Satoshi Nakamoto? We all want to know the person or persons behind Bitcoin and the revolution it created, and uh, the CIA the uh, good old Central Intelligence Agency, the the most trusted form of intelligence on the planet. And I have to say that because we are recording on a microphone and there's a hell of a good chance they're listening right now. And uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need that uh, on the door later on tonight. <laughs> they're looking for Mr. Satoshi Nakamoto as well. 
Now, the article that Christopher wrote was saying that the CIA projects a group dedicated to uncovering the government's secret projects, making them public, released a video claiming that Bitcoin is actually created by the US security agency. The video CIA Project Bitcoin is a Bitcoin or and CIA or NSA project claims that there is a lot of evidence that proves that the NSA actually created Bitcoin and one of the evidence that the CIA project claims and this one I I really don't know how to take it is uh, Satoshi Nakamoto means central intelligence in Japan so I mean this could be another conspiracy theorist the CIA and the NSA creating Bitcoin it's not the first time I've heard such a outlandish comment made I mean so (laughs) So in 2016, the Australian computer scientist Craig Wright claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto. So I remember that one, and we've heard lots of people. I mean, I believe it was, uh, some people have said it might be Charlie Lee, or it could be... uh, Roger? Roger Veer, that's the one. Uh, Roger Veer. So Roger Veer might be Satoshi Nakamoto as well. So there's been a lot of claims out there, but will we actually ever know? That's the big question. And do we want to know? Matt, Leisha, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say that I have I have no clue how to comment this. I mean, I don't think that Satoshi Nakamoto is one person. I seriously doubt that. Maybe maybe it's Satoshi and Nakamoto. Maybe it's at least two people. We'll never know. Mm. But I guess that... Um, what would be sound to ask here is like why why would it be CIA? I mean, what's the reasoning behind it? Just for fun or well, what? Well, the main reasons they believe the CIA behind it is because they just they they bottom line when you break it down, they just want control over another form of currency. Um, there's always uh-huh. people out there that say, oh, you know, everything's Rothschilds or Rockefeller or the Bush family or this that and the other lizard people. And, and, and honestly, does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. I think you're right about that. Um, And I've heard that theory as well floated around that, well, this is just um, the next reinvention of money. There was a a very popular economist article from about 20 years ago that talked about the new digital currency that would one day emerge from the ashes of other fallen experiments in, in fiscal policy and monetary policy. And there was this image of a phoenix rising up above the dollar on the very front cover of uh, The Economist. And uh, it just, you know, that like for all the conspiracy buffs out there, uh, of which I sometimes, uh, you know, consider myself, that was a nice little nugget to point to. Um, and that was a fun one. Do I think the CIA is, is behind it or some body like the NSA, for example, or somebody else? I don't know. I've heard the argument that if they were the ones behind it, like the architects of Bitcoin, for example, then they've done a horrible job and they've they've accomplish the opposite of what they set out to do because they have distanced themselves in terms of any and all control that they can exercise over the system. Um, so that's where I think the argument uh, begins to to fail. And I agree with uh, you, Lucia, that I, I think that if anything, it's it's a group of people uh, under the, the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto, um, a group of intelligence related individuals no i don't think there's any proof of that and you know even if there were like i said it's not the kind of architecture that would lend itself to being able to to control the system in any meaningful way it's kind of been the opposite of that if anything but what i think is uh, is cool here is that whoever satoshi nakamoto is he's got all these adherents all over the world or she we don't know right 
Um, and a lot of people view Satoshi Nakamoto as this uh, this seminal figure at, at the beginning of this decentralized revolution, right? And you mentioned Vladimir Lenin earlier, and I just think it's cool to note that uh, you have these individuals in Kiev, in Ukraine, that are so fond of Mr. Nakamoto, they're erecting statues, um, toppling the former statues of Lenin and putting up statues of Satoshi Nakamoto. So I think that's uh, that's a nice piece of symbolism there for you at the very end of the article. I would be very curious to see it. I mean, it's five minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. So I want to... Oh, no way! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to see it. I'm just curious, like, uh, well, what is it going to look like? Well, you should take a photo. <laughs> when, you should take a photo when it's up. Uh, post a selfie with it and put it on the Altcoin that, Buzz uh, Twitter page. Yeah, I will do that. I mean, is it like have they decided for sure that this uh, statue is going to be erected, or are they still like because uh, Andre Moros uh, he says that we are engaging in the construction of monuments to the great man who for everyone is a new symbol of freedom. So I don't really understand whether it uh, has been decided. I'd be interested to see what, what figure they're going to go with because no one knows what the person looked like. Is this going to be <laughs> like a Slenderman looking looking statue? Oh. That would be quite interesting because no one knows what this person or person uh, persons look like. So it'd be interesting to see where they go. Maybe it's just a giant Mario figure. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, uh, to have a, a big Mario in the city center, it's right next to all the party places in Kiev. So, I mean, <laughs> not, so, not too bad at all. <laughs> tell you what, Mario is the definition of diversity. He's an Italian plumber created by the Japanese who looks Mexican, oh. speaks English. <laughs> he's, he's the image of diversity right there. So, yeah. I guess so. I don't think you could uh, create Mario today. Too politically incorrect, for oh. sure. <laughs> he still, still holds a place in my heart. I don't care about political correctness, honestly. It can go in the bin. But the, the thing is, everyone goes about, look, there's been different sources, um, as, as Christopher mentioned, that Satoshi holds 980,000 Bitcoins worth more than $7.2 billion today. Now, that's all well and good, but what my problem with this whole conspiracy thing is, if the CIA and the NSA created it, what was the point? When Bitcoin first came out, it was absolutely worthless. I mean, some guy spent 10,000 Bitcoin on a bloody $50 pizza for Christ's sake. It wasn't worth anything. Personally, and I could be wrong, I don't think that they had anything to do with this. And I, you know, the, the mystery of who Satoshi Nakamoto is just so strange that people are clutching at straws to try and find any sense to it. And a couple of the the front runners, as far as public theories, right, as to who Satoshi Nakamoto actually is, a couple of them are deceased. Um, so there are some contenders that you know for various. I think it's in. Is it in the documentary Banking on Bitcoin? There's one Netflix documentary. It might be that one. It might be another. Uh, don't quote me on that. But they did a profile on sort of some of the individuals that that did have um, some publications or they had an academic presence in that world of crypto analytics, cryptography, maybe some financial overlap as well. Um, and some of them were, you know, you line them up on paper and it's almost like, how could they not be Satoshi Nakamoto, given where they were in the world and what they were working on? So a couple of them are deceased at this point. Um, and that, that's the kind of thing that's, uh, if, if, if there is a personal worth of over seven billion dollars, that's a that's a tough thing if you can't access it, isn't it? Afterwards, and I also think I mean like the conspiracy will always be around because it's uh, probably the most 
easy way to explain something. Oh, it's yeah, the Rockefellers or whatever, or the yeah. Rothschilds. It's it's very easy to blame them, and uh, I don't know, or talk about some kind of reptiles on a Jewish planet. I've heard like stuff like that. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's completely. I mean, it, it's completely understandable why people do that. But also now, as we speak, I'm thinking. What happened to this monument of the Demon Because, I mean, he fell and his head fell off. What happened to it? I mean, where did they take it away? I, I never actually inquired. But it would be fun. It would be fun to see what this Sata, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto statue would look like. If I mean, yeah, okay. we'll take a selfie. Yeah, yeah, I will. Don't worry. I'll post mm -hmm. it as well. <laughs> Now a quick word about our amazing sponsor, Cold Storage Coins. You can now store your cryptocurrencies on actual cold coins made of fine copper, silver, or gold. Each coin features a unique wallet ID and laser-etched private key, which is concealed beneath a tamper-evident holographic film. You simply scan the QR code on the back in order to transfer your funds to the coin. There's no hardware associated with these wallets, and they are hack and fireproof. This is a very fun, safe, and inexpensive way to store cryptocurrencies. Please visit coldstoragecoins.com for more and use our code BUZZ10, all capital letters, for a 10% discount. Now back to the podcast. Okay, guys. So we got to make sure that we bookend our news appropriately. And I did mention a silver lining and I mentioned FUD and the contrast against positivity. So we started with the positive stuff. Unfortunately, there's been another negative situation that has occurred and uh, again guys it's not about it's not about fud in discussing this right it's about covering the news and we just want to make sure we cover it accurately and get a good understanding of it but unfortunately and this is very recent there's been a crypto heist so there's been a hack uh in bitthumb actually so james you covered this uh this article uh, it's actually brand new at the time of uh, this recording so this is a pretty big exchange and uh, you wrote here that one of asia's largest bitthumb was subject to another of the latest crypto heists happening this year having more than 30 million dollars in assets stolen from the exchange earlier um, I mean, at, at the time of this recording, it is a bigger deal than I think the CoinRail hack, for example. We talked about that the fact that $40 million was stolen out of CoinRail, which was a smaller service. That was a, a 2 to $3 million daily volume, whereas you have uh, BitThumb is quite a bit larger. So they have daily trading volume that's about $270 million over 24 hours. However, there was less that was stolen. You have $30 million that uh, were stolen. Now, I don't know if this is the sort of thing that can be absorbed by the fact, like maybe the fact that it's a bigger exchange is something that's working in our favor because so far, uh, yes, we've seen a dip. So we talked about the 1200 Bitcoin injection by that anonymous whale. We've seen a little bit of a retracement off of that high that was subsequently created. But so far, and I'm not trying to jinx anything, I'm not trying to make any suggestions, but just my observation is that so far the market has not reacted as negatively as we've seen with the $40 million hack on the smaller exchange. Um, 
obviously it hasn't played out fully and we've we're going to see what happens here the developments are, are ongoing and we're trying to keep abreast of it but uh, so far I, I don't know are we just getting desensitized to this kind of stuff james this is your article what do you think about the situation when the hack happened today and it was uh it was first announced by BitThumb. i mean most of america uh, canada and, and most of europe was still dead to the world asleep when this happened and i was just sitting at work and all of a sudden my phone just started going bzz, 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 all these all these things were coming up from BitThumb saying, oh, you know, it's been hacked, it's been hacked, you know, everyone start pulling your money out, this, that, and the other. And I think that, obviously, the first reactions are going to be the worst. Uh, people are thinking, you know, is this the start? 30 million's gone now. Is it going to be 50 million in the next five minutes? It was quite hectic for about an hour. Um, all over social media, it was just absolute chaos. It's calmed down a little bit, obviously, at the time of this recording, and uh, it's it happened close to... Actually, yeah, about 10 or so hours ago, maybe a bit bit further back from there. But look, I the market's gone down 3%. Do I think that this hack has had a lot to do with that 3% dip? Not really. Um, 3% is a hell of a dip uh, from from 30 million being stolen on BitThumb. Yes, I believe that the market has lost a little bit of enthusiasm for it, which did cause it, but this could be another one of those situations like we saw a few months ago, uh, actually it was last month, where there was a bit more stolen off an exchange that was significantly smaller, and we saw a big dip there. This could just be we've had the 1,200 Bitcoin being bought uh, the other day, which caused the market to go up. This could have been an excuse for people to try and cash out now, get it to go down, and then we might see another influx of 1,200 come in about another week or two. Obviously, this is really brand new. We're only bringing to you live what we can, um, and the next couple of days is going to be interesting. In regards to where to from here, like you said, Matt, it's de- desensitized at this point. Even Charlie Lee, just the complete sarcasm, and just you could you could feel the lack <laughs> of empathy he's just another day another hack like here we go all over again bloody roller coaster ride just move along when's the next one gonna happen but what i put at the end of the article and i hold this true to myself if we have learned anything in the last couple of weeks and last couple of months if you haven't organized a cold storage wallet at this point you really need to see it you need to start looking into it and seriously start looking into it if you're putting and i've I've spoken to people they're happy to put two or three hundred dollars down on on litecoin or ethereum or bitcoin one week but you ask them to put 80 bucks down on say a legend nos or something oh no too expensive i can't do that (laughs) but like to me that just makes no logical sense like if you're willing to put investments into this you need to look at a way of of securing this this isn't a bank this hasn't got physical you know dollars in it this is digital if you're going to leave your money on an exchange and it gets nicked that's your fault to to a degree and i'll say that quite bluntly and i might get in trouble for that but it's just like if you store money in your mattress and your house goes up in flames that's your fault you needed to have secured that better leisha what's your thoughts I think you you covered the essence of it but it's still sad to hear that these attacks take place and it just shows how necessary the online security is because i mean it's it's too easy to lose money unfortunately and uh, i can uh, I, I agree with you that charlie lee has was quite <laughs> sarcastic when he said another day another hack and that that is a sad thing to say in itself because i mean it shows that it's a common problem mm. and i also and besides that uh i just like you know when i read this piece i instantly thought of those super hackers whom uh, john mcafee 
described. Maybe it was them. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you keep blaming John for hacking. He'll never come on this show. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. He he made it clear that he himself cannot do all of those uh, grand mathematical equations in his head. No, but he said that he happens to know some super hackers who can do something like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm not blaming John. Maybe it's just the, like their own initiative. Never know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, you never know. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, you have more and more targets that are that are becoming more and more prominent. And until it reminds me of the conversation we had a few podcasts ago with uh, David Freuden. And, you know, my question to him was, what, what do you see as sort of one of the most important features or developments in crypto going forward? And his answer kind of surprised me, but it makes more and more sense every every day that I cover the news and you you see more examples of it. He talked about security and being able to really create a system that that can offer security and that can reassure people at that level. Um, and it's it was a wise comment to make. You're seeing more and more examples of this because as long as you're going to have these exchanges, we talked about how Binance is growing. The same is true for many other exchanges. I'm sure Bitthumb as well. They have a target on their back. And there are people out there, unfortunately, but there are unscrupulous people, criminals. They just so happen to be on the cyber side of things. If if they can potentially break the law and it means a bigger payday for them and, and to the tune of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, that's always going to be there. That's always going to be a threat uh, until you really devote the resources to be able to combat that effectively. So I think uh, I'm not blaming BitThumb. I, I, I don't know the technical details of this. I don't think it's fair to say it would be Bit, BitThumb's fault. But I think it would be nice to see collectively uh, a shift and, and, and sort of a greater priority placed on the idea of security. I think that a lot of the exchanges are really going to have to step up their games. That being said, James, I totally agree with you. It's it's incumbent on any investor to you know take that step and make sure they have a cold wallet, keep their funds off of the exchange because you know things can happen even with the best of intention and the best laid plans. Things are going to happen, but. It's um, it's something that hopefully going forward, you know, everybody, whether it's a, a private investor, whether it's an exchange online, I think if everybody treats security more and more importantly, that'll be good, a, a good progressive direction for uh, this particular sector. But I think that some people will never learn. I mean, they would economize on those 80 bucks because just because. There's no <laughs> Unfortunately, that is so true. That is so true. It, you, some people have more money than sense. I'm just going to add a small comment on the media because, I mean, I've been working in the media for many years and all that it cares about is some kind of scandals, something like, you know, highlighting the bad aspects of something because otherwise the story simple, uh, simply doesn't sell. Mm. I mean, every, every, yeah, every publisher knows this more or less. You cannot write about uh, bunnies jumping in the meadows because nobody's going to read it. <laughs> That, that is, yeah, that is the sad truth. And also, besides, besides, you also have to take into account that all media is biased. Every, everyone. I mean, you cannot, like, every, like the West likes to claim that <clears throat> there is a freedom of speech. That's true. But at the same time, uh, go ahead and try and publish uh, some kind of an article on the merits of a proletariat revolution in the Financial Times. I'd like to see that happen. That will not. That will just simply not happen because they have internal policy. 
and which says that like, you know, you need to take this stance on this or this stance on that. And otherwise you're just not going to work for that newspaper. So, I mean, the media always creates some kind of negative buzz. And it's uh, very interesting to see that lots of people simply discard it when it comes to the cryptocurrency market. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Very good point. Well, let's uh, let's try and end this on a positive note because that last that last article is probably the uh, the bombshell of of this news <laughs> this news segment. So let's try and uh, let's try and end on something a bit more positive, Leisha. And it's an article that you wrote about the blockchain answers prayers in Kenya. So yeah, I'm going to handball that over to you. It's your article. Go nuts. Yes. Indeed, and it is available on our site, altcoinbuzz.io. And it's basically a story about a blockchain-based app, Twigga, and that blockchain-based app helps small and medium businesses in Kenya to get money for pumping their businesses. And lots of uh, local, yeah, well, mediums, uh, like medium, smaller medium uh, businessmen, they, they've been really happy about it because it's very difficult, from what I understood. I'm not that acquainted with the uh, African economy, to be honest, in general. But uh, from what I understood, they have uh, real trouble getting like money immediately in order to secure some kind of like in order to secure funds to, to pay them out mm. uh, to, to other businesses, which they depend on. And this uh, Twiga app, it instantly gives them, provides them with money if their credit history is good. And uh, during an eight-week pilot program, it has processed more than 220 loans for small food kiosks. And the loans averaged about 3,000 shillings, well, that's $30 each, and helped boost RSIs by 30% and the profits for each retailer by 6%, according to the companies. And I think that this is great news because, like, you know, people need to see a change in their daily life. And this is what this blockchain but a base app provides them with and i think that it has a very big potential and we've talked about a lot about the story of richard richard bagroger from uganda who earned 18 and 18 months from bitcoin more than he would have made in 10 years on his normal salary and it's nice to see that this new technology is simply helping people out there and and hence it will be adopted more and more what do you think about it matt I like the numbers behind this. Um, it's not something I've heard about it. I'm not familiar with Twiga uh, really one way or the other, to be honest. But I like the numbers. I like the I like the goals that they're aiming for here, because if you if you're talking about all of these small shop owners, you know, look, unfortunately, those are not the kind of clients that banks traditionally look to as being profitable, and so their response is just, well, it's not worth it, uh, or I'm not going to involve myself because. If you have that many of them, so 3.25 million here, it, it's just unmanageable. The idea of uh, of getting in there and working with $200 at a time, it, it's not worthwhile. But, you know, if you add it up, so you talked about, Licia, how if they make individually 10 different loans over the course of, for example, a year at $200 a piece. Okay, so right there, that's 2000. And if you have 3.25 million of them, that's 3.25 billion times two. So you're looking at over $6 billion, potentially, potentially, that's uh, sort of the, the, the money that you're working with, if you had a system that could attack this particular market, 
uh, effectively. And by attack, I, I just mean, you know, work in that space. So I think, you know, if you're talking about traditional non-technological approaches, uh, it can't be done. You can't go after 3.25 million individuals and micromanage very small, very unfortunately negligible financial sums. If you have blockchain in the picture and you automate this, you make it such that it's, uh, it's decentralized, that that is the kind of thing that can be overseen, but more or less carried out automatically. I think that's got huge potential. And, you know, we tend to talk about blockchain in the context of cryptocurrency, we, but we have been discussing other topics. And I, I always, at every opportunity, I always try to say that it's got so many applications in the realm of politics, in the realm of things like this, in terms of microfinance. I mean, if you have this technology that that's got all of this potential, why not introduce it? And and what I like about it is that it's beneficial to both sides. It's mutually beneficial to those three point two five million dollar or sorry, those three point two five million small shop owners, as well as to the banks or at least the lending institutions, because both sides are going to benefit. And I just think this is a great story that highlights some of that maybe more obscure but very promising potential that blockchain has to offer. So it was an optimistic uh, read, Lisa, and I think you did a great job at this. Thanks. Thank you. What, it, what does James think about it? Did I, did I do a good job or was you, it made a... You made an absolutely fantastic article. I love reading Thanks. about things like this, Leisha. It just it brings a smile to my face when I, when I read something that, about blockchain helping the little, the little guy. And, and just like in the case of Richard, and we brought him up in the last couple of podcasts because I really need this to hammer home to people. And Blockchain and crypto trading is a lot bigger than, than all of us in the Western world. For people like in, in Africa and Kenya with this Twigger thing, they've taken what Bitcoin was supposed to be, and that was giving the power back to the people. With with uh, Richard Bagarogo, like we said, with the banks, so, you know, don't trust it and go with us, blah, blah. These are people who are, are taking control of their own lives and going, you know what, stuff it. The government's going to help us. We're going to do it ourselves. The banks aren't going to help us. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to get better. We're mm. going to improve our economy. And you know what? All power to them. 100%. I love every one of these stories that come out. And it's not just in Africa. You hear the stories coming out of Venezuela and and, uh, and uh, the Philippines. But obviously with Africa is, is really ramping up. They've gone through absolute hell over the last couple of decades. And it's finally good to see that the people of Africa, the ones that are down and dirty, the ones that are, uh, are really living life to the crappiest, let's be honest, are actually finding a way to come out on top. You know, all power to them. I, I don't really know what else to say, Matt. I think you've summed it up quite well. You know, this is this is helping 3.25 million small shop owners. And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. You know, this is in Kenya. Twigger, I can just see Twigger going through every single one of the African countries. And there's a lot out there. So I'd like to see Africa become one of the next financial powers of the world because I think that it's about time that that they joined us in the first world. Stop being a third world country. And you know what? It's not the governments that are going to do it. It's going to be the people. That is true. And hopefully it will just boost their economy. And that will be really great to hear because, I mean, it's not really fair what's going on in Africa. And everyone understands it. And uh, also I wanted to add that, like, you know, I wrote another article. We're not mentioning it today, but it's a Swiss bank uh, came out, like released a report in which it heavily criticized blockchain and which it heavily criticized cryptocurrency. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, who cares about what a big bank writes when 
there is real life example out there how people are trying to make a living and blockchain is helping them. So, I mean, they will not read that report. For them, it will not matter at all, to be honest. Hmm. And it's, uh, and I think that, like, you know, partially it's good, maybe partially it's bad, but it's still, it's, uh, it's promising. Let's just, let's just say it's promising. Yeah. And I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good point. We should, we should leave it on for today. So, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning into our podcast today. You remember, you can find our podcast uploaded every Monday and Friday on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, as well as our website at altcoinbuzz.io, where you can find all our articles as well. We'd love to hear from uh, hear from you and what you think of our show, so please leave us a comment and review on iTunes, as well as YouTube, as well as our Facebook and anywhere else that you can. And for more information about the news we've just discussed, like I said, head over to our website at altcoinbuzz.io where we publish all the latest news to keep you in the loop. So again, from the team here at Altcoin Buzz, we would like to say thank you for tuning in and we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Bye. The information discussed on the Altcoin Buzz YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Ladies YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Podcast, or other social media channels, including but not limited to Twitter, Telegram chats, Instagram, Facebook, website, etc., is not financial advice. This information is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Any information and advice or investment strategies are thoughts and opinions only, relevant to accepted levels of risk tolerance of the writer, reviewer, or narrator, and their risk tolerance may be different than yours. We are not responsible for your losses. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are high-risk investments, so please do your due diligence and consult a financial advisor before acting on any information provided. Copyright Altcoin Buzz, PTE Limited, all rights reserved.